Hello folks, welcome to Real World IoT powered by 151 Advisors. I am Ken Briota, your host, and here on Real World IoT, we are out to strip off the varnish, get into the meat, and uh, talk about some of the issues and, and concerns facing the Internet of Things industry, and, uh, you know, on the light side, point towards some success, give some, some good strategic paths to success as you're planning your, uh, your strategy and, and your, your path for growth. In, uh, in your business. My guest today is Jason Ashton, uh, president of CallPass M2M Solutions, which is a subsidiary of CallPass Tech. They do GPS tracking, location-based services, and uh, sort of have a lot of fingers and a lot of pies. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Ken. Happy to be here today. And we're happy to have you. In case folks aren't familiar with you personally or with uh, CallPass, why don't you fill us in a little bit on uh, on your background and, and what you guys do day to day? Sure, absolutely. Um, again, Jason Ashton. I'm the president of the CallPass companies, which consist of CallPass Tech and CallPass M&M Solutions, Inc. Um, the two companies, as you mentioned, specialize in asset tracking through GPS technology. Um, the CallPass Tech Company, we really got our start in the vehicle finance sector, um, helping protect collateral um, in case loans go bad. Our application on that side of the business is the I Gotcha GPS application. And then the M2M Solutions Company, we really focus more on what we would consider true asset tracking of non-powered or intermittently powered assets. So think anything from trailers, containers, heavy machinery with a lot of focus on uh, asset utilization and, and really turning this more into a how to help your company increase profitability versus just protect assets. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and uh, it's actually uh, perhaps tangentially related to what we're going to talk a little bit about today, um, which is uh, where I want to start is with sort of the big divide in IoT. Um, not in uh, uh, whether or not security is the fault of the DNS or the OEM, which is a different big divide and an argument that I love to have, not the one we're going to have today. Uh, the one we're going to have today is about the consumer IoT versus the industrial or B2B or enterprise IoT, depending on what your favorite term for that is. Um, and uh, where I like to start and and where I'm hoping uh, I know you'll have a lot of thoughts is in there's a lot of sort of conflation of these two and and yes there's some lessons and some uh, technology that works back and forth in both sides of the divide but to my mind the two sides are have very different needs and concerns and treating them the same way as a vendor supplier or in my case, as the media is, I think, doing a disservice to both halves. Where, where do you sort of stand on this? Well, I would agree on that for a lot of reasons. I mean, I, I think right now, you know, we, we were talking about it before we, we jumped on here. If you look at, we'll use the telecom companies as the easiest inroad here. Who knows about IoT? Is it a buzzword that's been around for a few years now? Are the consumers picking up on that? It's, it's really more of an education thing. And what I see for the divide right now is on the business-to-business -business side, I think a lot of people jumped into the consumer, you know, the concept of your smart refrigerator, smart thermostat, 
and looked at all that was going on there, wanted to see if there was a play on the business side of things. And the, the people, the, I call it the gold rush, right? People who make some modules or make some devices saw an opportunity, jumped in at these ridiculous uh, price pointed applications and you know, IOT machines, if you will, and went to the business, the business market. And I think they did everybody a disservice by doing so uh, because the quality of the products were inferior. When you look at the consumer side, that, that becomes where are you on the early adoption rate, right? I mean, you can go back to the internet or even something probably more universal in households, smart TVs, right? 10 yeah. years ago, if you, if you had a smart TV 10 years ago, you know, there was a lot of oohs and ahs, and then people probably left your house was like, I don't know why you would ever need that. Why would I connect to the internet through a TV? Or, you know, why would I watch net, you know, Netflix when I order the DVDs? Sure. <laughs> and you, 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 fast, you, you fast forward to now, I don't even know if you could buy a non-smart television and everybody's streaming applications. So I think on the consumer side, we've really picked up a lot of steam and momentum. I still don't think we've reached the apex of it. I, I think there's a long way to go um, with the adoption rates and, and how we actually consume, um, you know, connected, connected products and solutions. On, on the B2B side, what we're still seeing a lot of, and I'm sure the people you talk to see the same thing, there's a need, there's a desire, there's a hesitation for a lot of reasons. A lot of it has to do with, um, you know, like I mentioned before, the early entries that, that really did the service of a bad name. Yeah, and, and I think that, that there's a chance that this gold rush mentality has hurt the consumer side and is sort of on the edge of hurting the the industrial side the the consumer side was going gangbusters everybody was talking smart home and smart thermostat and 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 wire everything up and people were releasing all these sort of uh add-on tack-on products to to add into people's homes and cars and uh, you know put in the dongle and measure your your car company to get an insurance discount uh, things like that, and, and all of this was happening about a year and a half or two years ago, like crazy, everywhere. And so all the early adopters jumped in, and uh, all the early adopters jumped in, and they found that the products didn't work all that well, and so they stopped buying them, or they had what they wanted, and so they didn't go back for more. And all the news coverage was these things don't really work all that well. Plus. Are you, do you have any idea of the security <laughs> questions that you're raising now? So all the non-early adopters never adopted. And so now the consumer marketplace seems to have flattened out pretty badly. And my concern is that the industrial side, where typically the buyers are more conservative than the early adopters on the consumer side, I would hope, um, are, are right on the edge of saying, okay, we've done some test beds, we've done some pilot programs, now we're ready to jump in, and they're going to buy from somebody who isn't ready for scale, who isn't ready to make this happen, and so they're going to fail, and that's going to get out there. I'm going to be reporting on it if that happens, for sure. You know, so sure. so people, other, other companies are going to see that and go, you know what, it's not ready. I'm going to wait. And then we're five years more down the road in the same place, having flattened out, having lost innovation time, because uh, this gold rush mentality, this this 
rushing to market before you know that you can scale thing just because you think you can grab some dollars is a problem. Right. And and I think it's a real problem because the I mean you've got to make some dollars if you're going to invent something, if you're going to if you're going to create a new service or a new new product, you've got to get some dollars coming in at some point. So yeah, you you try to overpromise and then overdeliver, but that overdeliver part seems to not always happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would agree there. I mean, unless unless there's a .dot org uh, at the end of your your web URL, you're you're in it for some type of profitability. Sure. <laughs> and so so how do we address that problem? I mean, how do we how do we say to a company that you know maybe is in beta or development as a startup or a small company for two the last two years? And now they feel like they're they're ready to rock and roll. Maybe they've got a test bed under their under their belt with a with a, a you know major you know, client, but they haven't done a scale thing yet. They're ready to make some money, so they're, the they're gonna they're gonna go out. They're gonna show up at at you know trade shows. Sure. They're gonna show up, spend you know try and get get a big client who's gonna want scale. How do they get from the pilot phase? into the scale implementation phase where they're going to actually be a successful business, hopefully, and not fall down the trap of, oh, crap, this thing works in the small scale but not in the large. How does that, how does that happen? How do, we, how do we miss that mistake that happened on the consumer side? I think, it's, I think it's a challenge for everybody. And as someone who's been through it for the last 10 years um, on, on both sides of the business, you know, we understand the importance of, of how to scale and, and make sure not only that your core competency is at the heart of your path or is the compass for your path, but making sure your partners have the ability to provide the scale that you need as well. So if I'm looking inwards out, you know, we weren't a manufacturer of hardware, so I don't make devices, I don't make modules, I don't make the components that, that make the device, you know, move. So instead of trying to recreate the wheel or going to source some parts, you know, on a, on a website or, you know, let, let's, let's tap into some Chinese board products yep. and we'll just do it ourselves because it's cheap. You know, we, we knew that, Hey, that's not going to help us short term or long term, because if we do scale, we don't have the ability to turn out all these products. And more importantly, we want to focus on what we know we do best which is the software development and application provisions. So we went out and we, go, go ahead, ahead, I'm sorry. Ahead, please. Yeah, no, no, so were. we, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so, so we partnered with a, you know, a design engineering firm and, and made sure that we were adopting products that were already proven in the marketplace and were already able to scale from a volume standpoint at the manufacturing level. Um, then you got to throw in the telecom providers, right? None of this works without some type of data connection to get all the transmission back to the internet. You know, I, I, see, I see a lot of people come in and, you know, the low, the low cost features, you know, Bluetooth's great, Wi-Fi is great, you know, RFID had its place, probably still has its place, all right? And the, and the sensor communication, which, is, which I think is the next evolution of what we're doing business to business, and by we, I'm saying the whole IoT space. Yep. Everything will be sensor integration, but you still need the communication back, and you need the reliability of that communication back. And I think what gets lost in everything is, you know, there's a cost for everything we're talking about here. 
So you have to factor in your build. You have to factor in all of your costs, not only for today, but for the, you know, for the next year, two or three years of service. Um, and, and make sure that you're, you're going down a path that is designed for the longevity. We're not going to, you're not going to knock out the, the gold rush mentality, which is let's, let's buy those cheap components. We have an app that works 50% of the time. Um, let's, let's roll this out. Let's, let's get some quick cash. And by the time someone realizes it doesn't work, we're out of business. Yeah, it's, it seems to me that um, this is what I was about to say before, and then you, you doubled down on, on making my point for me, so I appreciate that. Um, it, it seems to me that every, almost every conversation I have about a problem facing the IoT industry comes back to the necessity of the partnership ecosystem in, in this industry. You know, in other sort of B2B or industrial industries, you can have a company that works sort of vertically by itself and they can provide whatever the thing they're providing and compete with other companies doing the same thing. I think in the IoT, there's so much complexity and so many moving parts that all of the vendors and and suppliers and sort of solutions manager companies have to learn to work together with at least some partners to provide full solutions to the end users, to the enterprise level people. Because if, if, if anybody, it seems like anybody who tries to be the be all and end all ends up creating a generic thing that nobody wants or ends up failing. And so you got to do your thing really well, as you said, and find the partners who do their things really well that work with your thing and work together to providing, toward providing solutions. It just seems like every time I have a conversation, it comes back to that leap. Is that, is that sort of what you're seeing happening out there or just me having this weird hippie pipe dream? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it's a hippie pipe dream at all. Um, I, I, I see it. I know. I know our people see it daily. I know I have conversations with our partners on a regular basis of this. Um, you know, obviously we work with great partners, and anybody who's going to you know go to our website or or do some research on our companies afterwards. You know, again, without naming everybody, you know, all our partners are up on our website, so you can see the quality of who we're working with. But understanding that, hey, we're, we're a software company and we have applications that are, that are really working, you know, that connectivity and that partner integration, just like, just like you're reiterating here, if you don't have it, you're not going to be dead in the water, but you're going to really struggle trying to swim up the stream. Sure. And if you have the, have the right partners, everybody doing what they do best and working together, that's what it's all about for the end user. And if we're back to how are we going to make money or how are we going to solve solutions, it has to be a long-term plan. And as a consumer, anybody listening understands that, you know, if, if you have an application that isn't working and you can't get a hold of customer support, you know, and you're on a monthly subscription, you know, that could be one, two or three phone calls missed or two emails unresponded to before you're uninstalling an application on your phone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. On the business. On the business-to-business side, you know, because, you know, 
terms and conditions or master services agreements are probably looked at a little bit more and there's SLAs written into them, I think there's a little bit more tolerance. But if you want to scale or more importantly, get out of a proof of concept with somebody, you know, you better make sure that all, all aspects of the communication that we're talking about is not only working, but working well. And it's technology. So there's going to be hiccups. There's going to be bumps. Um, there's going to be miscommunication. As long as your SLAs are on point and you're resolving issues immediately, as you're supposed to, it works better for all parties. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of it goes, goes away from, or I should say, I think the focus is more about what can we do, how do we get to market, and how do we make money, when if you flip that around and, and start thinking about what does the customer really need, and I'm in this to solve a customer or a business solution, then I have a better chance of creating a sticky product, right, or a sticky yeah. software, or a sticky solution overall. Is there, um, just to sort of looking at it from the point of view of the, the enterprise buyer, um, is there... How do I find these uh, conglomerates of partners? You know, if I if I've got a, a a solution, say I'm a you know ground level, and I've been reading about the IoT, and I I think that you know my supply chain can uh, benefit from better you know, visibility, you know, um, but I know that that it's going to take two or three or or five vendors to put that all together. How do I find the group that are working together that I that I want to work with? You know, where is there a, a, a speed dating site that I that I could go on to find all these guys? <laughs> and if there isn't, you want to invest in me building one because I feel like uh, swipe right for IoT is a good call. Yeah, <laughs> that is a good call. Actually, I like that. I like that a lot. It would it would have saved me a lot of time ten years ago. I can tell you that. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't think it's a – I think cold calling is not the way you're going to find partners. Um, at the same time, I think you need to do some research on, you know, where you are in, in the game, where you are from, from a, a scalability standpoint. And by scalability, I, mean, I, I could be talking about sale number one for device or product number one. Uh, I, I can just use a personal experience. You know, we didn't start out with the, with the conglomerates or the enterprise level groups we're working with now. We started out with the, you know, ideology of we have a product, we have an application, we think we, think we can make this work. So we were able to, you know, facilitate the telecom plans that worked inside of our devices to go to market with. And from there, it just becomes how, how are you growing your business organically are you, are you reselling it through third parties to get your name out there? Or do you have a direct-to-market sales force? And over time, the only way you get to partner up with the larger groups is, is if you are actually fulfilling the, your obligations, you have customer satisfaction, and your, your line growth or your widget growth or your subscription growth, you know, whatever, you're, whatever you're trying to grow, is actually accumulating. You know, it's very difficult to go into a meeting with someone and say, hey, I could buy I could buy 50,000 pieces of hardware from you because I have an idea versus here's three years of sales records. Here's each year we've grown that by X. We'd like to talk to you about negotiating price for for some equipment. Yeah. And I think that's I think it's the only way to really go. There's a lot of great places 
out there, whether it's the carriers, a lot, you know, as you know, a lot of the telecom carriers right now have entry level IoT programs, right? They're they're really trying to make make it easy for the guy who wants to get off the ground. Well, um, yeah. What they're not right, but what they're not going to do is hook you into their you know their sales channels or their enterprise level connections. They're not going to get you to you know the, the Fortune 100 company with your service because you're you, you got an idea and you're using an IoT platform. All right. The, the way you get those relationships is longevity and growth. So it, it's it, it's still organic. There's no shortcut. Is is basically what you're saying here. <laughs> I, I think on business to business side, that's the way it is. I, I think in the consumer world, you know, you you just need to hit the right spot. I mean, what are the numbers these days? I mean, I, it changes every conference I go to. Sure. But you know, in, in in three years, every every human being is going to have seven, twelve, fifteen connected devices. So that that's all consumer driven thinking. Right from our phones to our iPads and whatever the case may be, on the business to business side, it, it really starts with business needs. It's you know it, yeah. every company out there, um, large or small, right, experiences some type of business disruption. You know whether it's you know whether it's asset protection, whether it's theft, loss, utilization, whatever the case Machine may be. Downtime, whatever, yeah. Absolutely. You know, there, there's a, there's a need and, and there's a place that, you know, technology can help. The adoption rate then becomes for them, you know, and everybody's favorite word who, who's doing any type of organic sales is ROI, right? Yeah. You know, the talk about the most challenging thing to prove when the business has been doing it a certain way for 20 years, it's not a perceived problem per se. It's just something they'd like to evaluate and once you provide the, the cost of your technology solution, eyebrows raise, more questions are asked, and I don't think we're ready for that. Right. The good news is we, we've taken that turn on the B2B side. And I'll, the, the best example would be, I'd say two years ago, especially at the enterprise level, the, the concept of a cloud-based application versus something that doesn't reside on their servers, behind their firewalls, that they can control all the data, you know, you, you weren't getting your foot in the door. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think now, I mean, AWS, Microsoft, Azure, all right, those type of companies and their growth over the last, you know, I'd say three to five years, but really the last two years of demonstrating that, hey, there is a safe and secure way to do this. Right. So you have that adoption now for the true SaaS platform where everything is, is going to be held in the cloud. I think that was a huge step for all the IoT to come because most applications are going to go to the cloud. All right. right. And now we're still talking about that data transmission. All right. And, you know, which VPN tunnels are coming in? How is that getting back to the cloud? And how are all these sensors going to communicate? And I and think I, the sensors, but I was just going to say, I think that, that just to, uh, uh, sort of circle back to the original point we were making and how I was concerned that the failures in the consumer gold rush space were going to bleed into the industrial side. I think that the success of the the sort of consumer space as it's, I think, starting to turn the corner is in these trusted ecosystems from Google Now or, or Apple Home or uh, the AWS Alexa smart home stuff that are people are choosing an ecosystem and trusting that it'll work 
within their space safely and securely. I think that, that the industrial side is starting to do that same thing with you know, the AWS or Azure or, or those sort of uh, umbrella ecosystems. And, and the, the, the trust in that ecosystem is going to allow for uh, more adoption. Yeah, I, I think if, if you really take a step back and, and look at that comparison, there's a natural fit because whoever's on the phone of the company you're calling to, to try to get that appointment with, you know, they're, they're a human, which means they're a consumer. So right. they're, using some, they're using something in their day-to-day consumer life that's making their life easier. Um, and so when you're talking about the Googles of the world, right, 10 years ago, what was Google? All right, maybe it's even back to 15 years. Sure. So, you know, that, that's a great example of early adoption or early technology turning into a mainstay. And, you know, do you know anybody who doesn't use Google at least once a day? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, if, of course, if you're an Android user, it's your whole life now. But, you know, it, <laughs> depending on what your your ecosystem is. Um, I don't want to I don't want to offend any of your listeners. So I'm going to stay uh, uh, <laughs> iOS or agnostic in this situation <laughs> <laughs> oh oh if you want to if you want to go total uh, third rail here and argue about uh, android versus ios i'm happy to jump into that fight uh, <laughs> 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 um <laughs> because uh, i am a a long-standing proud apple hater so uh, okay. uh <laughs> <laughs> um uh, yeah. Unfortunately, we're uh, we're start, starting to to reach near the end of our time, and and I I want to give you the opportunity to just have the floor. If there's something we haven't talked about yet that you think is really important to get out there, or uh, or you want a, a final thought, uh, this is your this is your window. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Um, no, I, I thought the conversation was was great. I mean. We, we were talking earlier about the difference between the consumer and business side, and you know they're starting to bleed over a little bit. I, I think in the consumer world, with, with the amount of con- content that's on all the social platforms, um, all the stuff, you, know, you mentioned Alexa, you know, all the stuff that's voice controlled, I really see that symmetry peering back onto what we do and my, my peers do. Um, with the sensor technology and the connected machines that are still talking to the GPS-centric devices, I think that's what we're really going to see the biggest push in the next two to three years because the GPS technology has been around. It, location-based services are the crux of everything most, most providers do. It, it's now getting granular and matching up you know, what all the assets are and streamlining the back-end operations. So there's seamless communication behind the scenes for your entire business operation, where it's not just what one department does, it it seamlessly flows through all. And I I think that's the big push. And I think anybody who's looking to get into the space, all kidding aside, as much as I'd like them to stay out, we we welcome the competition. But I I think if you're just approaching it now from just a GPS standpoint, because you have a device and you can track a vehicle, you've missed that gold rush. If you have something that's going to connect uh, multiple components or multiple assets, I think you know you you have a place in this game for the next few years. That seems fair. Um, I think there's just uh, so much room for innovation still. You know, nothing is nothing is written in stone in this industry. So uh, so the the right idea We're- can take off in a whole other direction that nobody expects. 
Yeah, I mean, we're again. I I made that reference earlier about the, going to conferences, and, and and people always show the tip of the iceberg, and we're still right there. It's still the yeah. tip of the iceberg. I I think just someone like you and, and and the organizations that you know we've been a part of for ten fifteen years now, you, you've been in it for so long that it, it it doesn't seem as new anymore. But you're learning something new every day. Yeah, for sure, and uh, and it's important. That's that's an important notice to to keep that sort of front of mind that there's always uh, that we're still in the space where there's always something new. You know, we're still we're still coming up with ways to uh, to develop higher octane gasoline. You know, to to make an old uh, an old reference. Um, but uh, how can folks find out more about uh, you, Jason, and about uh, about Call Pass? Well. I- think the easiest way to see what we do or see what our companies offer is go to our URL. It's www.callpassnow.com. And you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, all of which uh, will associate right back to Call Pass Now. And if you want to talk to someone live, 877-324-0999. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jason. It's been a real pleasure uh, chatting with you today. Well, thanks. I really appreciate uh, you having me today, Ken, and uh, hopefully talk to you in a relatively near future. I, uh, I look forward to it. Well, folks, thank you for listening to this episode of Real World IoT powered by 151 Advisors. Make sure you go online to check out more content on how you can monetize the connected world at 151advisors.com. That's 151advisors.com for all the information and content like this podcast that will help you power your business and monetize your business into the next phase of the IoT. Thank you again for listening to Real World IoT powered by 151 Advisors. I am your host, Ken Briota, signing off. See you next time.